uh, I don't think I ever heard that song until I came here about 25 years ago. And, uh, but uh, since then, it, it surely is uh, a magnificent song concerning the love of God, especially the last verse. Uh, and, um, you know, that, that if the earth or if the oceans were, with ink were filled and, you know, and, and parchment were the skies, uh, and every man, you know, on earth a scribe and every, you know, stalk or quill, to write the love of God would drain the ocean. And the, and the scroll could not contain the whole. Those stretched from sky to sky. I read that that, um, that verse was not actually written among the other ones, but that verse was actually found written on the wall of an insane asylum. They don't really know who wrote it, but it was there, some occupant. And uh, so it, it surely uh, captures the uh, infinite love of God. Well, I do want to thank uh, those that uh, have made uh, this weekend possible. I uh, do want to uh, thank Brother Mark for the work he has uh, uh, put in to bring us these messages and, and for coming and uh, for sharing uh, with uh, his congregation this opportunity. And I do want to thank all the pastors that are here uh, who, who shared this with their congregation uh, or with people they know to get them here. I do surely want to thank Brother Thomas and then uh, and also uh, uh, you know Brother Blake uh, McDaniel we, uh, for uh, uh, for advertising it for us and appreciate you uh, being here. Uh, I've met uh, Brother Blake through Joe Boone out Tyler Town, is that right? And uh, so we've known each other a long time, and uh, and still talking. So anyway, so uh, but um, I appreciate you being here, and then you who have come to be a part of uh, for the other elders at uh, Grace and and for Mike and Michael here, and and I do appreciate. Um, uh, and then, of course, uh, John Moore is really the uh, the real force behind uh, this, as he does all the detail work. He and Crystal uh, they do all the detail work uh, uh, to get the meals and the refreshments, and and I do uh, appreciate that. And for those that help us with the sound and and the video. I would have you pray for my son, Chris. He, he showed up to help us here. And, and something, uh, he is uh, some infection or something on his face 
they think maybe shingles. We pray it's not, uh, but or maybe some infection and maybe some staff or something that we don't know. So uh, hopefully all that will clear up. Uh, he, I usually lean very heavily on him uh, to help us with the streaming and the sound and all that. And I appreciate uh, uh, Brother Cody Wallace stepping in last night at the last uh, uh, at at the last minute, helping us. And and then of course my uh, wife Paula came up uh, uh, this morning uh, to uh, to help us with with all of that. It's quite an unusual day that we're in with all these electronics, and I'm left behind on most of them. And uh, so uh, I do appreciate uh, the ability to have them. A godly man's love for the gifts to the church. I guess we could surely sum this up in uh, the great, one of the lyrics of the great hymn by Martin Luther. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sided. And um, these, um, you know, to think that the Lord would condescend to us to save us, is that not enough? I mean, that's more than we will ever be able to thank him for and we will have eternity and increase capacity to thank him and we'll never be able to thank him for that you see but beyond that he gives us these gifts he does abundantly above what we can think think or ask that reminds me when uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon told his mother that he had become a Baptist uh His mother said, oh, Charles, I prayed for you to become a Christian. But I never one time prayed that you would be a Baptist. And he said, well, mother, God can do above that which we can think or ask. Well, he gives us gifts. Ephesians 4 speaks of this. I mean, we could have gone probably to any, any number of passages of Scripture, but Ephesians 4 and verse 7 says, uh, but unto every one of us. Now, it's very important not to miss these little words, these little prepositions. I know that we're in a day where prepositions are, are uh, the source of battle, But uh, prepositions are very important, especially when you're reading the scripture. You see, but unto every one of us, not to everyone in general, but to every one of us, even as Peter writes that God is merciful and gracious to us word, not willing that any should perish. That means any of us should perish. So it's very important. So, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And and what God does, he does lavishly. 
God never does anything stingily. But what he does, he does lavishly. Now, God decreed and decided that he was going to have to have a place for his elect to dwell. So in that, he decreed, he decided to create the world. But when he created the world, he created innumerable worlds that uh, maybe even is ever expanding now, you see. When he could have made one planet, he made a universe, and our one planet, quite frankly, is like a grain of sand in that one universe. You see, because what he does, he does lavishly. And when God was ready to redeem, one drop of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so designed could have saved a billion worlds of demons. He spilled it all. That's the measure of Christ. You see, you see what he's saying here? According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Well, what is that? Great is the mystery of godliness. God manifest in the flesh. The firstborn seraph tries in vain to sound the depths of love divine. <laughs> Tis mercy all. Let heaven adore. And let angel minds inquire no more. The measure. In fact, the measure of the fullness of Christ or of the gift of Christ is immeasurable. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Gifts. Now what are those gifts? Well, I think we could probably stand here the rest of the day and maybe even into the night and into tomorrow naming these gifts. And we would never exhaust that list. Count your many blessings we have sung all my life. Name them one by one. And it'll surprise you what the Lord has done. But that's a probably, if not an impossible, a very daunting task for us to be able to do that. But this morning, I'm going to try to look at some of these gifts. And let me say that the first thing that the Lord has given to us It's himself. So the first gift given to the church is the Father. <clears throat> now you see, in, in 
people who in churches and denominations where they have a lesser understanding of the gospel. Even as Lloyd Jones uh, one time was was preaching about the gospel, he said, "Well, the in in that great Welsh accent, well, the Calvinist has a greater and fuller view of God than does the ignorant Arminian." There is a lot of ignorance out there. And, um, and you know, and, 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 and they do not understand the depth of what they're dealing with, you see. And so they think that the Father was somehow against us. That the Father, all he could do at us was snort his wrath. But the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we know this, anybody that's read the Bible with any serious contemplation for any length of time knows that when God is mentioned in the scripture, in contradistinction to Jesus or to the Son, it's talking about God the Father. God the Father loved us. God the Father is not against us. God the Father is for us. But even more amazing than that, God the Father has been given to us. Now, when that just falls off my lips and into my ears, almost immediately I cringe at saying something so audacious that God has been given to us. I mean, I can understand we have been given to God, but God has been given to us. Yes. Ephesians 2, 18 says, for through him that is through Christ, We both have access, that is the Jews and the Gentiles, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Access to the Father. He's available to us. All of the time. With his undivided interest and his undivided Attention to us. When we pray to God, God doesn't give us just a little bit. It's like your children coming. I had four children and sometimes they'd all come together and want to talk to you and you just couldn't, you couldn't give, you'd have to listen here and listen there. But that's not the way God, God gives us his full undivided attention and his tension undiminished. That's because he's infinite, you see. The infinity of God speaks of his magnitude, though the eternality of God, they're obviously obviously kin, they're obviously related to each other, but his eternality speaks of duration. But his, his infinity speaks of magnitude. Who is this? With whom 
We are deep. And how could we ever imagine in a billion years that we could meet on the backside of Jones County, Mississippi in a small little building and that we could demand the attention of Almighty God. And yet, my friend, that is why we're here. That is what we expect as we have met in the name of Christ, because Christ said, if you meet in my name, two or three of you, not two or three hundred, not two or three thousand, but if two or three of you meet in my name, in the name of Christ, I'm there. And also the scripture teaches us that God inhabits the praises of Israel. Now, John MacArthur notwithstanding, we are Israel. We are preaching and we are worshiping and we are praying as the people of God. We are the true Israel. The other was a shadow and a type, but we're the fulfillment of that, you see. And when we began to sing, the spirit begins to give note The spirit begins to hear. And the spirit flies to this praise. That's why we must not be mindless in our singing. We must not be just habitual in our worship. But we must give ourselves to it fully with intention. There's no such thing as casual worship. No. There's only consecrated worship. When we give ourselves to God. I remember reading uh, a statement by A.W. Pink. A.W. Pink was on a ship going, I think, maybe from America to Australia. Or he may have been coming from Australia to Scotland. But he was on this ship. And here's what he said. He said, there were these Christians, some of them pastors, that listened on Saturday, listened for a full hour to the wireless, that is the radio. And how can these people think that they can prepare themselves for worship tomorrow after wasting an hour on Saturday listening to the wireless? An hour on Saturday. Now, whatever you think about that, all I can know, I don't like to think about it, to be honest with you, because it's so convicting to me. But whatever you think about that, A.W. Pink didn't approach worship on the Lord's Day, on the Christian Sabbath, casually. But when we sing the praises, the Spirit comes to inhabit them, you see. Now, none of these things would we ever bring to ourselves. We would not be, we would not be that bold. We would not be that audacious to say these things of ourselves. 
or that God would give us one promise above the promise of salvation or that he would even give us the promise of salvation. Who are we, we perverted pockets of pus? Is there anything in us lovely? You see, you would think, here's a child, a baby. Almost angelic, beautiful, sweet, smiling. How cute. How attractive to us. Who wouldn't love that? But my friend, that's not what we were. You know what we were? We were wild animals. Kicking and biting and screaming. I remember we found some feral kittens one time when my children were, were small. And I, I knew that they were bad. I put on a welding glove to grab one of them. And the thing bit through the welding glove. They were cute for an instant. But then I wanted to stomp his head. So, you see, because he bit me. But see, that's what God did. He reached out to us. When we were putrefying and rotting flesh. And when we brought him When he brought us, maybe I should say, to himself, we bit and clawed and scratched and screamed until grace subdued us. And it's not in what we are or what we have even become that makes us attractive in the eyes of God. It's not from this side, but it's from his side because he looks at us with eyes. of grace and mercy. He doesn't see what we are. He sees what we will become. Transform and predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What more could we ask than that? Why would we complain about anything beyond that? How ungrateful would we be to complain to our God after what our God has done for us? And yet, he doesn't give us this by measure. He pours it lavishly upon us and he gives us these gifts. And let me say this to you. Once God saves a man, God never stops saving a man. Why can we talk about perseverance? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. You remember singing that? 
prone to leave the God I love. Have you ever felt that? This world, we walk in it. It's attractive to us. It draws us to itself. And we are polluted no matter how much we try to stay unpolluted. We are polluted by it. And often it comes in and it begins to whisper doubt in our ears. Even as Christian, when he walked through the valley of the shadow of death and this wicked one, Satan himself came behind him and began to whisper in his ear all manner of blasphemies. And Christian was so beside himself, he did not know, but that had proceeded from his own heart. Because Satan speaks to you in your voice. So that's what Bunyan said. I would not let this one thing slip. He thought it was from him. And it wouldn't be surprising to us to think of such things. Why when we preach on humility are we so proud? Why when we began to thank God for the wonder of what he has done for us. We become so selfish. How could such a one persevere? Because when God, when Christ saves a man, he never stops saving that man. There is a sense when we give the invitation, when we sing just as I am, there is a sense that every one of us could come down every time, including the preacher himself. If these things really affected our salvation, But there's another side of that. When a man truly comes to Christ, that man never stops coming to Christ. How do you know you're in Christ? Because this morning I came to him and found him seeking me. What could we ask above that? And yet God gives us these gifts. And here is the primary one. Access to him. As if God has nothing else to do but to listen to our puny whining. And yet he delights in it, you see. You know, one of the most amazing things that I see in the model prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, the most amazing thing I see in that is the first words. Jesus said, pray like this, our Father, our Father. Our Father. 
It is filial communication. And I remember as a child, or maybe I should say I remember when my children were children, when they were babies, and our first child, you know, they, they can't talk when they come here. <laughs> then they learn how to talk and you wish they'd get back to the other way. But anyway, but they can't talk. But you know what you want to, as a father, I know me as a father, you know the first thing I wanted? I wanted to hear that child trying to communicate with me. And the first communications of that child to me was babbling. It made no sense. But I love to hear it. In fact, I'd run around and say, I'd take him to my daddy. I said, Daddy, listen to him. He's talking. Mama, listen. He's talking. Take him, you know. And of course, you take him to the people of the church. Listen, say, say. Well, they won't do it in front of people. You know, they, they make you out kind of like liars. And um, because they won't perform when you want them to. But when they want to, they'll start performing. And it was so delightful for this child. And I can imagine that our speaking to our Father in heaven. I can imagine that that sounds more babble than any child that's ever spoke to us. But he loves it. It's filial. He wants it. Again, it's so audacious to say a thing like this, that, that we bring delight to him and to our Christ. You, you know what? The writer of Hebrew, I believe the Apostle Paul. So you, the Apostle Paul says, you know, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The joy. The joy. Where's any joy in that? He endured the cross. Despising the shame. What's that joy? Dare I say it? It's us. It's us. We are His joy. He has given us this access. But when the fullness of time was come, Galatians 4, 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit in His Son into your heart. Crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I was preaching this in Zambia. We were in what they call the Copper Belt, which is a state. And we were there in a rural area called Camfinsa. 
And though they spoke English somewhat, they couldn't understand these concepts, these high concepts. In English, we had to translate it into Bimba. Of course, we had to have a translator. So I'm preaching, the guy's translating, and I come to this verse, and I said, what is the word in Bimba, the intimate word for father? They said, well, we don't have one. I said, you know, like in English, we say Abba or Daddy or Papa. But uh, we don't have one. They could not in Bimba understand such a concept as this. But you see it, don't you? You see, not only, see, adoption can be a cold calculated thing, right? And I know we have been adopted, but that's, that's the legal status of where we are. But you realize also that we're not only adopted sons of God, we're born sons of God. And there is a great devotion in that, you see. That we just don't come before God in some kind of uh, formal way. See, we don't call, I never one time called my father, father. I never called him. I never came up and said, now father would never. I called him daddy. My children never called him grandfather. They called him Paul. Now why are we doing stuff like that? Because we have this Intimate relationship with him, you see. Abba. When's the last time you've gone to your father in prayer and called him Abba? Papa. Here I am. Your presence is more important to me than anything. Because you know what? In heaven, we're going to pass by walls made of rubies, walking on streets of gold. Because that's not the attraction. He is. But here's the wonder. You don't have to wait to heaven. You have access today to him because he has been given to the church. Anybody can pray to God, but not anybody can approach him as we can. Well, now since Father starts with an F, and seeing as I am prone to try to alliterate these things, I would say that the next gift that has been given to us 
is the gift that I will just call force. But it's really the spirit, isn't it? The spirit and the gifts are ours. It is the spirit, this force that's with us, you see, this gift. And of course, here's what, here's what the Lord, more in John than any other place, but it's all through the gospel. But, but here in John, John 14, it says, but I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then John 15. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father. He shall testify of me. And Peter preaching says, or, or this is the Lord's promise. This is the Lord's promise before Peter preaches, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul says if you have not the Spirit you are none of his. This word comforter many of you know because you've looked at it is the word paraclete. Para beside, kaleo to be called. He's going to be right beside you. I'm going to call him there. He's going to give you great comfort. And he's going to teach you these things that I've already taught you. He's going to bring them to your memory. So we have the Father, we have the Spirit, but also... And maybe I could have surely started with this one. Well, there's a fraternity, you see. All of this is about fraternity. Coming from the Latin word for brother, frater, our brother. Our brother brought us this, you see. And our brother has been given to us. And everything that pertaineth unto God and godliness he brings to us. That's why it's so absolutely uh, 
just, just, well, it, it's a lack of knowledge, maybe I should say in a kind way. It's a lack of knowledge for someone to say, well, look, you've got Jesus, you need the Spirit. What do you mean? Who brought the Spirit to you? Who brought the Father to you? This Jesus Christ. Well, y'all, y'all worship Jesus. Amen. I remember one time writing an article about the Word of God, and, and uh, I, I was the conservative, and then there was point-counterpoint, which is pointless, let me just say. But anyway, point-counterpoint, and the counterpoint was a liberal, and he says, well, this guy's made the Bible an idol. And my response back to him was, oh, blessed idol. For what do I know about my God except what my God has told me of himself in his word? Oh, blessed word of God. Because of Christ. It's all about fraternity. It's all about being related to him. That's the new covenant. The new covenant is in Adam. The covenant of, of grace is in Adam. The covenant of, uh, I'm sorry, is in Christ. The covenant of works is in Adam. We are out of Adam into Christ. And everything, the spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sided. Lord Sabaoth is name from age to age the same. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. If they threaten to undo us, we will not fear. We will not be afraid. Because truth has triumphed. If this world with devils feel to threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For one little word shall fail him, and that word above all earthly power, no thanks to them, abide. It is Christ. For you've not received the spirit of bondage, to fear. You didn't, you're not brought back into bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What's a joint heir? I can tell you what a joint heir is. A joint heir is the one that gets exactly what the other one gets. Joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also 
be glorified together. Well, that's the beginning. Then there's this fellowship. And we've been talking about the gathering of the church. This is the fellowship, right? This is it's a gift. Can you imagine if you were the only one? I and I alone, Elijah said. God said, don't be foolish. I have thousands that's not bowed the need to bail. Fellowship. Koinonia. This koinonia, this, this intimate bond which unites all Christians. Absolutely, you see. Indeed, uh, in the gospel, this koinonia that's been given to us with this wonderful message of the gospel, this fellowship of Christians with God and Christ, which fellowship, according to the teaching of the word of God, consists in the fact that Christians are partakers in common of the same mind and the same affections and the same hearts. Indeed, so tied up in one another that the scripture teaches us that if you say that you are, that you love God and you don't love the ones begotten of God, you are a liar. We need each other. And we, and we read things in the scripture. I thank God upon every remembrance of thee. When we think about how none of us got together and colluded on this thing, right? But we just found out that, wait a minute, you believe these things? You believe God's sovereign? You believe Christ made a definite atonement which accomplished a particular redemption? You believe these things? You're preaching these things. I have a, a young man that I met when we were in Kenya. He translated for us. One day, uh, I hate to preach through translators. I'll just be honest with you. I give them no help. I'm not slowing down. You, don't, you, got, you keep up. I'm not slowing down because I'll get all confused in my sermon and you'll get all confused and it'll be nothing but confusion. So just get whatever you can out I'm not slowing down. Now, sometimes they slow us down. But he's teaching this young man. I think he's 20, 27, 28 years old. Well, from that and other discussions and hearing this gospel, he was in a church. He says, I can't be in this church anymore. This church is not right. I must be in a church. I must, these people that I'm going out to witness to, and he, we helped him get a motorcycle and he's going to the bush and preaching the gospel to people that have never heard the gospel in Kenya. And it's amazing because it's a lot of gospel in Kenya, but these people in the bush, they're not going there. It doesn't 
you know, it costs too much money to get there. There's too few people there. So he gets a motorcycle. He goes and he meets a woman, this poor old woman who's making a living selling alcohol out of her house. And he preached the gospel to her. And she listened intently and wept and confessed Christ. And a week or two later died. Just in time he got there to get one of the elect. When I think about him, I thank God for him. Remembering him. And you and our friendship, some of you I don't know, some of you I do know, but I think, when I think about you, I praise God on every remembrance of you. Because you see, when I'm weak or strong, I had a man to walk out of the back of the church one Sunday and he said, Pastor, please be strong. Because when you're strong, we can be strong. You see the fellowship. And not only that, but there's not one thing, there's not brother or sister or father or mother that you've given up that God will not replace a thousandfold. In heaven, we've been given this image, we've been given this view of heaven in the book of Revelation. And what does it say? There's a number. No man can number. No man can number. We have computers now, Lord. It'll burn the computer up. It'll crash the hard drive. You can't number this. We said, well, how do you account for that? It's not my responsibility to account for it. It's just my responsibility to believe it and preach it. But there'll be few that follow. I know. But at the end of the day, I believe sin as they're innumerable and that's never said of those in hell. They'll be more saved than were ever lost. That be as it may, we have a wealth of fellowship. What a gift. What a gift. And not only that, but often the elect gives rise to the elect. I don't want to sound Presbyterian here, but I do want to sound biblical. Often the elect give rise to the elect. The Lord brings the elect right in your home. Someone said, well, well, what can we do to get our kids saved? Well, you know, I don't think you can do anything to get them saved because that takes the power of God. But I can tell you what, you can surely do a whole lot to make sure they never get saved. By your hypocrisy. Because I can tell you this, children cannot tolerate that. Children cannot tolerate hypocrisy. So you be what you are and you always be what you are. 
and you work on this fellowship and you bring one of my children, you know, when they talk about being a child, my children, even now, they say, you know, some of the greatest times we ever had when you brought these wonderful preachers in. This fellowship, what a gift. Well, and then I could talk about, and I don't have any more time, I could talk about, you know, the functions of the church. It's a gift. Preaching's a gift. I mean, it's not only a gift given to a man, but it's a gift given to the church. Preaching and prayer and charity and education. All of these things are gifts, you see. Prayer, what a gift. An extraordinary gift. You have not because you ask not. God has factored our praying into his decrees. And we must pray. And if we don't pray, things will not happen. They will not. We must give him no rest. We must bombard the throne of grace through this wonderful gift of prayer. Why would God give us such a gift if he didn't expect us to use it intensely? Well, and then of course there are faithful leaders. He gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till one, till we all come into the unity of faith. What a gift. And maybe you don't think so. Or maybe there are those that don't think so. You realize that there are people in the United States of America that have to drive hours to hear a man preach the truth. Hours. If you have a church that has a pastor that stands up and preaches the word of God, faithfully to you and all you have to do is roughly drive around the block how blessed are you it's a gift well we could continue on but time is up I hope you get the idea a godly man loves these gifts and are thankful to God for them. May God use these words that have been spoken in our ears this weekend to make us men of God. Let's pray.